Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. What's up, Harbor? How we doing? Come on. Man, I'm glad you're with us. Let me give a really quick plug for what Bobby just said about this next coming week. One week from today, that outdoor service, that is a huge opportunity for you to invite somebody who wouldn't normally go to church. And if you're like, man, you got to go to church with me. Like, dude, I'd never be caught dead inside a church. You're like, this, that's perfect because we're not going to go inside. We're going to be out in the parking lot. We're going to be celebrating. That's, uh, as you know, that's 4th of July weekend. So uh, next Thursday, June 30th, it's going to be the way we celebrate Independence Day and take all four of our services together. So at that service, you're going to find out you've got neighbors and coworkers and friends that go to Harbor that you never get to see. I love that we get to do that all together. Make sure you highlight that. Make sure you invite some people. Uh, we're going to go all out and we're going to host it really well. And I'm excited that we get to do that. So please put that on your calendars. Make sure that's a big, big event next week. All right, we're going to jump into this, uh, this final message in this series, um, and uh, we're going we're gonna to have a little fun with it, I hope. <laughs> oh man, I hope. Um, I'm glad that you're with us. If you haven't been here before, uh, first off, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor at Harbor, and so I appreciate you just joining us. I appreciate you coming out and uh, just looking for what it is that God might have for you. If you're watching online, if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook or listen to this on the uh, podcast, we're glad that you're with us. If you're listening on the podcast, you are missing out on my really cool shirt, and uh, I did that because it's the beginning of summer. I don't know if you know that last Tuesday started summer, and I thought, I'm going to look like the Tiger King. We're going to do it, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited we get to hang out and we can do this. All right, we're going to jump into this final, this final message in the series. We've been looking at the idea of taking one small step that God has given us opportunities every day to grow in our faith with Him. We want to learn to trust God more. We often think that if we were given a big, big opportunity, we would do that. We would take a giant step for God, but rarely does he just give us that. He doesn't just put us on the edge of facing a giant. He gives us a bunch of little steps that we can take every day, today, tomorrow, the next day, to grow in our faith with him. And as we learn to say yes to those that's when he prepares us to say yes to the big thing. You're never going to say yes to the big thing if you don't learn how to say yes to these small things. So we started with the idea of learning to say yes to resting, taking a small step of resting, trusting God that maybe he has a better plan for our week when we give him one of our seven days. And we say, God, I believe you'll do more through me in the six days that I have if I trust you with that one than if I keep all seven and try really, really hard to make them all seven work. So we learned about that. And then last week, we talked about the idea that we can take steps of letting go when we want to hold on to our plans and, and, and our, our excuses sometimes, or even our, our fear. We, we have to learn to let go of the things that are keeping us from God's best. And, and that sounds easy, but also it's, it's just another step that we rarely take because we either downplay it or we just don't see it. Some of you came in, ignorant to it. Like, I didn't even know that was an option. Great. Now you do. No excuse. Some of you knew you were supposed to rest, but you kind of, you know, you're a little cocky. You're like, I can do it. God wants those people to rest. God wants those people to let go. I can hold on to it. I can do me. And, and you're being challenged that maybe you're not the best God for your life. And this weekend, this final weekend, I'm going to give you one more area that I think you can learn to take some small steps in. And that's this idea of, of, well, let me show you. Let me show you what Jesus says. He gets, he gets somebody to run up and ask him this question. This is Jesus walking in, in Mark chapter 10. Jesus uh, starts on his way to Jerusalem, verse 17 says. And then as he's walking towards Jerusalem, a, a young rich man came running up to him. And he knelt down and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, what must I do? What do I have to do? And Jesus goes, hey, what do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. He's making a point. Either you're about to listen to the Son of God, and the answer I'm going to give you, you're going to believe is an answer from God, or you're not going to hear this answer, because what I'm about to tell you is really hard to do. It's a step that you need to take, but you're not going to want to take it. So am I good or am I not? Am I God or am I not? 
Jesus make it a little point before he answers the question. He goes, but nevertheless, it's all right. But to answer your question, it goes on in verse 19. Do you know the commandments? You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. You have to honor your mother and father. You know those, those Ten Commandments things for Moses? And the guy goes, <coughs> the teacher, he goes, uh, I obey all of those commandments since I was young. Now, if you know that list, if you know the Ten Commandments, the first four are about your relationship with God. And then, as you get to those last six, they're about your relationship with other people. And Jesus quoted them. He started, he said, if you go back and you look at the list, he said, <coughs> you must not murder. <coughs> Excuse me, that's number six. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal. Six, seven, eight, nine, you must not testify falsely or cheat anyone. You must honor your father and mother. He goes back to number five. Jesus lists all the ones that are outward except for number 10. If you know the Ten Commandments, Jesus doesn't list the Tenth Commandment. Tenth Commandment is thou shalt not covet. What that means is, you shouldn't desire what other people have. You shouldn't be greedy. You shouldn't lust. You shouldn't want what other people have. And he didn't say that one out loud because he knew the answer coming from the young man. The rich man says, oh, yeah, 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 I've done all that. Boss, I, I got it, man. I checked all the boxes. I'm good. I've been doing that since I was young. And says, Jesus looked at the man and he felt genuine love for him and so he said hey there's still one thing you haven't done go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me see all the other ones the don't steal the don't commit adultery the the, the don't uh, don't bear false witness those are how you interact with other people but those aren't tangibly measurable those are just things you're like yeah i don't do that i'm good I'm good. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But then all of a sudden he speaks to his heart of greed and possession and materialism. And now he really steps on his toes with that 10th commandment. He goes, now, he goes, you want to prove to me you do all the commandments? I got a great way for you to prove number 10. Sell your PlayStation. Cash in all your stocks. Give everything you got to people who don't have anything and then come be a follower of Jesus. Show me that worldly possessions and materialism and your ego aren't the things that you're feeding, that what you want more than anything is a relationship with me. Do that and then we'll see how much you're into these Ten Commandments, all these things you're doing. It says when he said it, watch this. At this, at, at the, the answer, at the answer from Jesus, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He was just given the answer. He was looking so desperately for an answer. And when he got it, oh, it's one of those. No. He says, it says his face fell. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this amazed his disciples but Jesus said it to him again. He said, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, next verse says in verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they said. And Jesus looked at him intently. He said, hey, humanly speaking, it, it is impossible Humanly speaking, it's impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Now, this is an interaction that a lot of people have preached on. And what I believe that Jesus is teaching his disciples and what he was trying to teach that young ruler was this idea of not just what we've talked about with rest and letting go, but it's this third idea, this third step of being on mission with your life. You have to be on mission, intentionally living your life with a purpose. 
I don't know if you've ever read anything by Stephen Covey. He's the guy who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But he said, I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. I'm not going to accidentally fall into being on mission for God. A lot of you have this, this mentality, and I know I struggle with it from time to time, that if I just want in my head to be good, if I just want to be a good person, and if I want to be a good Christian, and, I, and my desire is you know, to love God, and I, if I just want it enough, it's going to happen. Nobody here feels that way? Okay. I do sometimes. I'm like, well, I know in my heart that's a good desire, and so I'm, I just, I, I, my intentions are good. I have good intentions, but I have very little intentionality. I have very little practice sometimes. I want a whole lot of things to happen, but I don't work towards them happening sometimes. I don't take the steps necessary. I don't go on mission. And so if we are to, to really wrestle through this idea, this, this third small step of being on mission, we have to go back to a verse I read you last week, which says this. You can't serve two missions. You can't serve two masters. This is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You could highlight that or underline it and then replace it with the word missions. For you're going to end up hating one and then loving the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be a slave to money. He says you can't have two things in your life that pull at your heart. You're going to go towards one and end up neglecting the other. And yet every day you and I get up and we're like, I'm going to love me some God, but I'm also going to pursue all the things that I think will make me happy. Okay, two people nodded your head. And then all the rest of you stared at me like, not me, Pastor Josh. I don't do that. Bunch of stinking liars. We get up and we're like, okay, like I do, I do love me some God. But today is about how much money I can make and who I can get to fall in love with me and how many people will like me or fill in the blank, the things that I think will make me happy and content or at rest or whatever. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this. If we're going to understand that you can't serve two masters, then the question I'm going to ask you is whose mission will you support? Are you going to support your mission or are you going to support God's mission? This goes back to the idea, he says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't be kingdom focused and yet build your own castle. You can't do both. You can't build God's kingdom and build your castle. They're in competition with each other. You either got to think on a bigger scale on eternity, or you're going to sit here like the rest of the world and all the stuff that, that culture speaks into your life, all the things that your friends are doing, all the things that the people at work are doing, how your family believes, all that stuff. That's all castle-minded. It's about me, about right now, about what makes me happy because I, I got to get mine before I die. That's castle. Kingdom is, God, you have a plan that's so much bigger than my few years here on earth. I have an eternity to spend somewhere, and everybody I love has an eternity to spend somewhere. So I'm going to invest in you and your plan and what's bigger, and that takes a big step of faith, and you'll never get there if you don't come back here and you don't take one small step of faith and say, hey, how am I going to support one of these? I can't support both, so how do I support them? What that's talking about and what that leads us to ask that question is, where am I going to put my value? See, also in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, that wherever your treasure is, wherever the thing you value is, that's where your heart is going to be attached to. The thing you value will hold on to your heart. The thing that you say, this is, this is my investment, this is the thing that that brings value. And for most of us, it's either our talents, how much skill you have. It's our treasure, how much money you can have in the bank. Your time, because you, you feel like, hey, this is the thing. This is, this is what defines what I've got left in the tank is my time. Or it might even be some, some of us, it's your testimony, my story. But your value, what you treasure, your heart is going to be connected. You can say, I love God. It doesn't matter what you say, it matters what you value because your heart's going to go with whatever it is that you love most, not what you say you love most. 
And just like the young ruler came up to Jesus and he goes, oh, I love me. All, I love me some God. I've been following all the rules. Jesus just goes, okay, sell all your stuff and follow God with no stuff. I don't like that answer. Why? Because it was easy to say he loved God. It was hard to put his treasure on God and not on all the things that the world offers. See, the topic of money is very difficult to preach on. I've been the pastor of Harbor Church for six years. I have preached one message on giving. Tonight's going to make two. I hate doing it. I hate doing it because, because so many people have heard so many things from televangelists and the con artist on TV or some, some church religious denomination that, that wanted to squeeze money out of people. And it's just corrupted the whole thing and people are just really turned off to it. And so I've avoided it because I'm like, I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to think that's the mission here. And I was convicted that I have shortchanged the people that are trying to grow in their walk with God from understanding that our treasure, and maybe money is your treasure, or maybe it's something else you treasure, but whatever it is you treasure, our treasure is directly linked to our heart, and God is in a battle for our heart. The world and Satan have been trying to pull our heart away from God since the day we were born, and he's saying, no, I want your heart, so let's talk about treasure. When Jesus was on earth, he told 39 parables, 39 stories and messages. 11 of them had money in them. He knew what our hearts were connected to. And the reason this topic, this topic of money is so sensitive is because this subject, this subject exposes a spiritual battle that's going on inside of us, a spiritual battle that exposes my materialism and my greed and my pride and the battle that's in my heart for what it is that God has in opposition to that, which would be my love and sacrifice and my trust. Am I really going to be able to trust God? That's what this whole topic exposes. So I want to read to you a couple passages, and I want you to make up your mind, because I think very rarely do pastors present this subject matter in a way that's just like, hey, here's what the Bible says about it. I cannot give you all the things that the Bible says about it, because we, we would need like a, a two or three month series. But I'm going to highlight for you what the Bible talks about when it talks about learning to trust God with whatever it is that you treasure. Now, once again, you may not be very materialistic. I'm going to hit on the subject of money because that's most of the people in the room and most of the people listening. But for some of you, it may be a different thing in your life that is the number one treasure. You substitute that there and say, God, show me where I, need, I can trust you with that treasure. Now watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul writes this. Hey, remember this. Remember this. Write it down. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds is going to get a small crop. But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. What's that talking about? Your life's investment in the mission, whether that's the mission of the castle or the mission of God's kingdom, your life's investment of time, talent, treasure, and testimony, how much you invest in those is going to dictate the return of the blessing in your life. A farmer who plants a little bit gets a little bit. A farmer who plants a lot gets a lot. It's not like hard math. I know we're going to be doing calculus, Pastor. Yeah, there's a bunch of seeds, big crop. Little seeds, little crop. That's, that's pretty simple so far. Same principle works in your learning to give. You're learning to trust God with your treasure. It goes on and says, you each must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give it reluctantly or in response to pressure because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Don't give in response to pressure or reluctantly. That's the reason that Harbor Church in six years has never once passed an offering plate. Not once have we ever passed a basket and said, hey, you need to put something in it. The reason that I did that it's because I went to so many churches and I had friends who were like, churches are just after your money. 
And I was afraid if I got them to sit in that church service with me to hear about Jesus, the only thing they would experience was somebody passing a basket asking them for their money. And so I said, Harbor's not going to be known for that. Because here's the truth. The God we serve owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. I thought more of you would clap about it. God doesn't need my money. Thank you, God. He doesn't. He doesn't need your money. He knows that your money is directly attached to your heart, and he wants your heart. So he wants you to be willing to surrender your money in an act of trust, an act of obedience, saying, hey, I trust God more than I trust me. Same thing with rest. Same thing with Abraham having to take Isaac last week. It's all about, do I trust God more than I trust myself? That's the small steps he calls us on. He says he loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to be happy about giving. That's what I've told people. If you're like, I'm going to give. Just keep it. Just keep it. Just keep it. You're not, you're not giving God a bonus. You're not getting a gold star in heaven next to your name. It's about your heart. Now, I will tell you, giving hurts. But there's a part of it where I can be cheerful about giving because I'm learning to go, I'm not trusting my math. I'm trusting my God and what he's called me to do. If he's told me to do this, then I know that this is better for me than all the other things that I can figure out. And that's, that's the way this subject should be preached. How do I get, Pastor, how do I get to a place where I can give cheerfully? How, how can I do that? One step at a time. One small step at a time. You can get there. Some of you, the God of money and the worry of bills or materialism or what you need to buy or what you want to buy, that is such a huge giant in your life. We're going to have to start real small and baby step to that battlefield. But understand we can. He goes on and says, God will generously provide all that you need. You learn to trust God with all that you have, and then, you'll, then you'll begin to receive everything you need. You will always have everything you need, and plenty of it will be left over to share with others. Now, by the way, it doesn't say you will always have everything you want. That is an endless void that will never be filled this side of your grave. Ask billionaires. They don't have everything they want. They want more all the time, and they have billions upon billions of dollars. If the verse said you will have everything you want, it would lie because you will come up with a new thing that you want. You guys are looking at me like I'm lying. Shake your heads. Yes, you know that's true. You're like, I'm too poor to know that. I don't care if you're poor. <laughs> you get anything, and you're like, that's not enough. I mean, like, I like it, but now I want more, and we always want more. But see, when we learn to trust God, we, we can know that, hey, I'm getting what I need. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously. They give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. See, they're investing in a kingdom, not in a castle. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to, the, to eat. In the same way, he will provide, and watch this, and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? Generosity in you. Couldn't that verse say Lamborghinis? <laughs> Couldn't it say that when I trust God, he's going to create a harvest of me getting all the toys that I want? Just so many, so, so many things I need and so many things I want. But as I learn to trust God, now listen, do not tune me out. You're sitting here going, I ain't, got, I ain't got two nickels to rub together. This message ain't for me. This message is for you. When you learn to trust God, because if, it's not, if we're not talking about dollar bills, we're talking about minutes in the day. And if we're not talking about the minutes in the day or the dollars in your bank account, we're talking about the skill set that you think you somehow have that, that didn't come from God. He made you. If you're good at anything, it's because he's graciously given you that gift.
The next verse, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Come on, God. Okay, y'all, always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank you and think that you're awesome. The whole reason I learned to do this is because when I learned to express generosity, the way that God's designed me to express generosity, whether that means taking my precious time and sitting down next to somebody who has no friends and actually befriending the, the lost or the leper, or you fill it in just like Jesus did. It can be time, it can be treasure, it can be talents, it can be testimony. When I learned to give generously of those things, what they do is they begin to open up a door for people to come back and thank God. See, what Bobby told you was that every single dollar, and for this has been from the first day that we ever started Harbor, when we didn't have enough money to even rent a space, when, if somebody gave us a dollar, we took off the top and said, we want to give that away that's to something that has nothing to do with Harbor. That's what God asked you and me to do pr privately, personally in our lives, is everything that comes in to take off the top and give it away. So we just said for Harbor, anything that comes in, whether it's online, whether it gets texted in, whether it's a check that gets dropped in the box or or a cash donation, no matter how it comes in, we take off the top and we say, hey, we want to give it. We just, we just wrote a check to, to a local organization that builds houses for people who are homeless here on the Cape. We, we speak into to drug addiction here on the Cape. We, you saw we, we're, we're working with prisoners. We've got missionaries all over the globe helping in orphanages and, and, and feeding centers and building churches and places that have never heard the gospel. And that's possible because you learn to give generously, not so people go, Harbor Church is the best. Forget that. It's so that people go, wow, somebody cared enough to take what they had and didn't keep it for themselves and made it available. I want to know more about that. I begin to think when I hear these, and I remember back to being a young man. I was making more money than I knew what to do with, and I'd hear a message on how I was supposed to tithe or give, and my thought was, God just wants a piece of what I've built. That's just God putting his hand in my pocket. Some of you laugh, and some of you didn't laugh because that's what you're thinking right now. And I felt that way. This is another thing. Is God trying to get into my life? This is what Deuteronomy 8.18 says. Remember that the Lord your God, it is he, he's the one who gives you the power to be successful. If you've ever made a dollar... It's not because you're strong or you're smart or you're a hard worker. I hope all those things are true. But it's because God's given you the opportunity and the ability to do that. Everything you have, if you build a company, if you've risen through the ranks, if you've gotten promotions, that's God's grace in your life. The fact that God is allowing your heart to beat right now is him being gracious and merciful to you. So beat your chest how cocky you are and how much money you make because how smart you are realize that you can't do anything to keep your heart beating or your brain functioning and that could end tomorrow you're breathing by god's grace so everything you have comes from him when you begin to understand what i just said now all of a sudden you begin to open up a lot over here with that treasure because it's not really about you anyways it's not about all you've got first chronicles chapter 29 verse 12 says wealth and honor come from you alone god you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. It's at your discretion that people are made great and given strength. God, you're the one that allows everybody to be all it is that they think they are. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise you in your glorious name. But who am I? Who am I? And who are we, your people, that we could give anything to you? doesn't matter how many offerings we take up. What are we going to give God? If we gave every cent in this room and we were to able to, 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 to scrape together just a ton of money, what is that to God? Do you guys understand that? This isn't a message about our church needs to give more. Come on. I, do, I don't preach to you guys about that. I hope you give me enough credit that that's not what I would do. So then why are we talking about it? It doesn't do anything for God. He has heaven. He's not sitting up there going, man, really hope Harbor listens to this message. I got a bill to pay. <laughs> Good grief, man. Who are we? What? We couldn't give you anything. Everything we have comes from you. And, and we're only giving you back what you've already given to us. 
I shared an illustration a long time ago. I bought some candy for my kid at a ball game. I was like, hey, can I get some of that? And they were like, no. (laughs) And I was like, I just bought that for you. (laughs) Do you understand? I could buy so many more for you. I don't need it. I'm just, I just want to watch you share. I want us to have a moment together where you learn to trust me back with what I've already given to you. And you know what? I love you so much that if you gave me the last one, I'd go buy you two more. You don't think God is like that? He's not sitting there going, man, I just hope I run them into the poor house. Come on. He's sitting there going, I just want a moment where you learn to open up your heart and trust me. I want to be closer to you. I don't want you poor. I want to be closer to you. I want your heart to be sensitive to what I have for you. Acts 20, verse 35. Remember the words of the Lord, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. See, Jesus said this at the very beginning. He said, listen, the blessing, the thing that you and I think of when we think of blessing, we always think about getting. God, bless me with this. God, bless me with this. God, bless me with this. Jesus says, your best blessing isn't going to be when you do this. It's going to be when you do this. See, the, the farmer who plants more is going to reap more. If your kind of farming is let me take, let me take, let me take, you're not really thinking big picture. It's the farmer who casts out the seed, who gives. What if God's blessing for you isn't in what you can gain, but in what if his blessing for you is in what he helps you let go of? Okay. How do I start this journey, Pastor? Well, here's the end of the message. I'm going to give you the four ways that you can start this, mess- this, this journey, all right? How do you start this, this journey? Well, first one, I think it's pretty obvious. If you're not currently giving to God in any way, just start giving, right? That's it. Just start giving. For some of you, that's your first step because you're at step zero. You've, you don't give God anything. It's about you and what you get. So, For you, start giving. Deuteronomy 16, verse 16 and 17. All all men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he chooses, but they must not appear before the Lord without a gift for him. When you appear before God, when you come before God, bring a gift. All must give as they are able. Now that's important. Just give. Everybody is to give as they are able according to the blessings given to them by the Lord your God. Some of you in here, make high six figures. And some of you in here do not make that. <laughs> it is not about equal gifts. That's what the Pharisees thought. Look at all the money I'm putting in. A widow lady shows up and drops two half a pennies. And God says she gave more than that guy. How's that possible? See, if all you can do is look at things through the world standards, then it's all about accumulation. Who can give the most? There's some of you in here that could give thousands of dollars today and it wouldn't affect you at all. And some of you to give $10 would actually alter what you could do this week. It's not about equal amount. It's about equal sacrifice. That's what he's saying. Now, look at Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38, I love this verse. Give and you will receive. The reception, the coming back is contingent upon the letting go. We do a whole lot of prayers to receive, don't we? Don't we? Dear God, give, 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 give. He's like, I got a plan to give. It starts with you learning to let go. You'll receive. Start giving. Your gift will return to you. Whatever it is you're giving will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for even more. It'll be running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Now, let me stop for a second. I don't really have time for this, but I want, this, I want you to hear this. You turn on that garbage that is those televangelists. They get up there and they're like, you need to give me $10 and God will give you back 100 You give me 100 God will send you back 1000 Seed money, seed money, bull crap. All right? The Bible is not about your personal prosperity. I'm just telling you that. This is not about you cornering God into giving you more. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's not like, God, I give you and you give me back. That's not what this is. Satan tried that with Jesus, and Jesus says, you don't tempt God. You don't get to put God, it's not like a loophole in the Bible where you're like, God, you God, I gave 10 bucks, you owe me 100. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when you learn to open up your heart and trust, 
God will take care of you in a way that's probably way bigger than just a few dollar bills in your wallet. He's got more for you. That's where you learn to trust. He's saying, this is, this is what's going to happen. So just if you've never given, just, just give. And I, don't, I don't know what that means to you. If that's $5, if that's $5,000, you just give. You say, God, I'm going to trust. I'm going to give. Start giving. And you're right, Pastor, I already give. All right? Then you go to the next one. Give consistently. If you already give, then I would challenge you to give. That's the next step. Take one step. If you're at step zero, take the step of learning to give. Give God your time. Give God your talent. Give God your treasure. Give God your testimony. And if you already do give, then I'd ask you not to just when you feel like it. I'd ask you to be disciplined enough to give consistently. Learn to give consistently. Well, what's that mean? That means like make, you, you got to make it a priority. Here's the idea. When, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is what I hear a lot. Well, when I can. When I can is not a plan. It's not. That's, that's the first step, and it's a very immature step. And if that's the best you got, if that's, if that's where you're at, take that step. But if you're sitting here and like, well, I'm good. I'm, I'm. <laughs> Why don't you start giving consistently then? Before you pat yourself on the back, give consistently. Make it a priority. You pay your bills because you know they're due all the time, so you're consistently on there. You will go online and schedule to make sure that your heat and your electricity doesn't get turned off. Why? Because it's a priority to you, and you know it doesn't matter whether you felt like it or not, those bills were coming. And so you prioritized, you said, I'm going to make sure that, that I'm consistently paying my mortgage down so my house doesn't get repossessed. I'm consistently making sure that Eversource gets some money so that I can keep my lights on. You make sure that there's a consistency so that you can continue to consistently receive. That's the same principle in your walk with God, learning to trust. So don't just volunteer one time. <clears throat> Mic check. Don't just volunteer one time volunteer every single week because every single week you want God to continue to bless you in certain ways. Then you show up and you serve somebody else. Now, listen, this is not a pro Harbor church thing. Harbor church. I had to, I, I will be honest with you. I had to sit in my office and, and spend some time in prayer before I could come out and worship with you. Cause I had to, I had to in my heart go, God, I do not want, I do at my flesh. I do want Harbor to benefit from this message, but that is the wrong reason to preach it. I want the people of God to benefit in their personal walk with God when they learn to give back to God what he's already given to them. Now, we have created an opportunity where every week you can serve. I'm not even talking about tithe. I'm not even talking about your money. You can serve and give some of your time up to host people to allow us to present the gospel to them. You could show up to a service and serve people coffee or park their car or watch their kids or sing on the stage or push buttons or you fill in the blank. There's a lot of ways you can serve, but that might require you to come to a service, attend a service and serve in a service. And you would sit there and go, I, oh, pastor. Now I know that God went to the cross and bore my sin and my shame on the cross because he didn't do anything wrong. And I sinned and he did that for me, but I can't be given up two services i'm looking at a room filled with people who come and consume but do not give back now that's not everybody there's a lot of people who do serve but like and you think about the body of harbor it's about 20 percent of the people that do 80 percent of the work if everybody said i'm gonna do it now listen why do I want you to serve on Sunday morning? I don't care about the, I mean, like, I'm not going to pick on anything. I don't care about the music or the, 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 the parking lot or the coffee. It's not like any, nothing, nothing that we do gets anybody to heaven. Jesus Christ, death on the cross, and that message, when they put their faith in that, is how people get to heaven. But if we can come together and continue to present that, and if a hot cup of coffee allows them to feel welcome, and they can just kind of be like, okay, I'm, I'm, it's weird, but I'll stick around, then I'm going to give them a freaking cup of coffee. And if you could be a part of that, why wouldn't you? And so we do that, not because that's where the value is, because God's given us an ability to do it, so we do it. And what that does is if you learn to serve here, if you learn to give here where it's easy, 
my hope is you will learn to give God your time and your treasure and your talents and your testimony out there the other six days out of the week. That's the goal. I got to go faster. All right. See, Jacob has this consistency where he says, Jacob made this vow in Genesis chapter 28, verse 20. If God, if indeed you'll, you will protect me, if you'll be with me, you'll protect me on this journey. If you'll provide, I, I, I need food and clothing, God. I'm trusting you to do that. Look at verse 22. That he builds, a, he piles up a stack of rocks. He goes, I'm building this memorial so that my family and everybody else will see this statue, this pile of rocks, this memorial to my promise to God is this. I've set up this to become a place of worshiping God. I'll present to God a tenth, that's 10%, a tithe of everything that he gives me. He was saying, I'm going to consistently, not just I'm going to give God what, I'm going to give back some of what God's already given me. He's saying future tense. Whatever God does give me, I'm planning on giving it back. I'm making a commitment. I went online and I signed up to give every month because I wanted to prioritize it. See, some of y'all, you're like, I'll give to God, but if you're not around and you don't think about it, you just skip a few weeks or months. That's not consistency. Consistently give to God. Consistently give to God that one day of rest every week. Consistently give God access to your time so that you never say no when he brings somebody across your path that needs to hear your story. Some of y'all aren't even looking at me right now. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Regarding that question you guys, you guys had about money being collected inside the church, you should follow the same procedure that I gave to the church in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money that you've earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Almost like he knew he was talking to just be intentional. Just start setting it aside. Be consistent. That's where it's going to be. Giving your funds, giving your funds is what allows the generosity of Harbor Church to take place. Consistently, that's what it allows. When you're inconsistent, we still as a church need to be consistent. I need to consistently pay the bills to keep the light on, even if we have an outdoor service and you don't walk past one of those boxes. Even if, even, let me, even if it's a snowstorm and you just watch online. Oh, did you, did you think I got to call the mortgage company and be like, oh, you don't understand. (laughs) We live in New England and nobody came to church this week. They're like, we don't care. That's why there's consistency there. Consistency there. And it's just, I'm just speaking practical. All right, let's move on. If you already give and you already give consistently, then I would challenge you the next step you should take would be to give intentionally. Now, this is different from just making sure that there's something happening. Like, I'm going to give every week. Okay, cool. That's great. Giving cons- if you're consistently, that may depend on how, how you get paid. If you get paid every two weeks, then give every two weeks. If you get paid once a month, give, then do that once a month. I don't care. Just know that like, you're saying, hey, I, I, I want to give consistently. Now, the next step to giving consistently is to give intentionally. And that, that includes a couple of things. First off, it includes making it a percentage. This is the principle taught all the way back in the book of Genesis. Abraham says, I'll give a tenth. A tithe has always been one-tenth. That was the starting spot. That's a lot. Asking some of you to give 10%, you're like, okay, give 1%. Give consistently and make it a percentage. Make it 1% or 5%. 10% may not be hard for you. Make it 12%. Make it 20%. I don't know where, where it begins uh, where it begins to be like, okay, this is what God's calling. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Each of you must decide in your own heart is what I just read. But when you want to take a step of growing in your maturity, part of it is not just giving consistently. Part of it is giving intentionally. That means a percentage. It also means first fruits. Look at Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord your God with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. First fruits. This is where this principle, this is where it hurts a little bit, okay? That means before I do the math and give God the leftover, I give God first and trust that there will be enough leftover. Yeah. 
Oh, I know that's hard. Some of you are like, ah. It's hard. Because what we want to do is like, I'll give, and I'll even give, I'll give a lot of what's left over. See, what's left over is saying, I need to make it all make sense for me, and then I'll trust God. When I give God my first fruits, that means the first thing I pay is him. The first thing, the first bill I'm going to cover is my obligation to the God who gives me life and to the mission he's called me on. I'm going to invest in the kingdom before I pay any of my castle bills. That's a hard discipline, and it's a big step of maturity. And I recognize not everybody here is ready for that step, but I am telling you it should be part of your journey. If you're wanting to grow, it should be part of it. Did you also see this, what it said, if you bring that verse up? With the first fruits of all your increase. That does not just mean your paycheck. This is a big deal for me. When I didn't have enough money, I was working so many jobs just trying to get Harbor Church off the ground. I was praying I could get some extra side stuff. A funeral, a wedding, a camp that I could speak at. Usually those have honorariums where they would pay the, pay the speaker, pay the pastor. I was just hoping somebody would ask me for that because I was like, man, I just, I need it. And then I, I told Kaylee, when, when we get those, let's not just give 10%. Let's give 25% of that because we're trusting that God will give us more extras. That was a step of faith because I needed every penny of every extra I got. And when I started giving 25% of the extras, of the bonuses, you win the lottery, that counts as an increase, you know, it's not just your paycheck, you get a surplus, any kind of thing, you know, whatever, bonus from work, whatever. I said, I mean, I, I'm going to trust that God can give me more of those bonuses than I can get for me. Then I started giving 50% of them, and I got way more than I when I was trying to keep 100% of them for myself. I'm going to be honest with you. Because God, God knew what I needed, and I can't outgive God. But it says all of your increase. Now you begin to see, okay, God, there's more than just one way for me to give back to you. Watch this, Malachi 3.10. This is a popular verse, but you need to understand it. Bring all the tithes. That means everybody's one-tenth. Bring your one-tenth, bring your one-tenth, bring your one-tenth, bring your one-tenth. Bring all of the one-tenths into the storehouse. Bring them all in to the house of God, and watch what he does with them. Bring them all in. There'll be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Now watch this. Try it. When God mic drops on you, you should be, try it. Boom. He's like, just try it. Test me. Put me to the test. You know what's the only time in all of scripture that God says we're allowed to test him? The only time. And every subject, he says, I know how much you're afraid to let go of pennies and dollars. So try me. Try me. See if it doesn't work out better for you. The next verse says this in Malachi 3.11. When you do that, I will rebuke. I love this. I will rebuke for your sakes the devourer. And he shall not spoil the fruit of your land, neither shall the vine in your field be barren, says the Lord of hosts. I'll rebuke the devourer. Sometimes when I learn to give, it doesn't mean that I all of a sudden win the lottery and get more money. Sometimes when I learn to give, the devourer doesn't seem to devour as much. Days like today, it's like the gas tank doesn't go empty as fast because heaven knows you got to take out a mortgage to get a tank of gas these days, Right? There's times when you learn to trust God that the devourer is held back. And I don't, I don't have as many problems as I do when I'm, when I'm taking care of me. The bills slow down. The problems around my house, the things that break and need immediate fixing, those become fewer and further between. So I may not get a raise, but the devourer may be held back. Now that's hard because I don't see the devourer being held back. I only see when the devourer comes and devours, right? But that's where my faith is growing. God, you're doing more than what I could do. If you already give and you give consistently and you give intentionally, then let me encourage you to take the last step. Why don't you, in a walk between you and God, start giving sacrificially? That means you take all the things we've talked about and now you give till it hurts. And that's, that's a hard thing to say, right? You give till it Till you know, like, hey, this is now impacting my life. 
Some of you can do the three steps that I just told you. You can give, you can give consistently, and you can give intentionally, you can give a percentage. And it doesn't alter your life. It doesn't really change your life. You, you, sure, you could have bought other things, but there's no, there's no noticeable difference in your life. Some of you are tithing right now, and it doesn't really affect your life. You could say, oh, if I had all that money back, I could have done something else. Sure, but your life hasn't been different because of it. Watch what it says. Watch what King David said when he was offered something in 2 Samuel 24. David was given, because he's the king, he's like, I need, he's like, I need to make a sacrifice to God. He goes, I want to I sacrifice right here in this guy's, this guy's store, basically. And the guy goes, okay, well, you're the king. Just take my store. And David goes, no, no, no. I insist on buying it. I'm not going to present an offering to the Lord my God that has cost me nothing. So David gave him 50 pieces of silver. David overpaid for the threshing floor and the oxen because he's like, I'm not going to take something. I need it to cost me. I need it to be such a priority that it, it now causes my faith to be stretched. When Kaylee and I decided we were going to be giving, when we were going to start giving a percentage-wise, it was hard to give any percentage consistently. But over time, we disciplined ourselves. And we knew that a tenth was where we were supposed to get to. So when we finally got to giving 10%, it was like, whew. and then all of a sudden it was like, that was the begin. That was supposed to be where we started at. We just didn't have the faith to jump there and trust God. But now that we're there, can we give more? It's something I've done with Harbor. Every year, Harbor has increased its missions giving. Something Kaylee and I try to do is every year increase tithes and offerings. I want to give sacrificially. Here's my goal, and it's something that we've been able to work towards. We want the largest check we write every month not to be for our mortgage or for our bills. We want it to be for the kingdom of God. We all know we got a lot of bills we got to pay. I just want to get to the part where the biggest investment I'm making is in the kingdom. I'm not saying to be a bad steward. You've got to pay bills. Some of the bills you don't have to pay. You just want to pay. You know, I know Netflix. It's, it's awesome. But what I'm saying is you, you can choose to prioritize your life and say, God, I want to make this the most important thing. How do I incrementally get there? 2 Corinthians 8.3 says, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more than what they could afford. They gave far more than what they could afford, and they did it of their own free will. Verse 7 says, since you excel, and he's bragging, he goes, since you excel, you guys, your church... Harbor Church, you guys excel in your faith and your gifted speakers and your knowledge and your enthusiasm and your love. I want you to also excel in the gracious act of giving. Now, I need to say this, and this is not lip service. This is the most generous church I've ever been a part of. I've been a part of dozens of churches. I've never been a part of a church that's as generous as you guys. And we're a baby church. Some people have stepped up, even in our infancy, and been incredibly generous. That's why I don't have to preach on this very often. I'm not preaching on this so that we get more money. If you think that that's what this is about, please go give your money to another church. Drive down the road and find a church that preaches the, the, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and give them your money if you think this is about us. The reason I'm preaching this message is because it's about you and your walk with God. And you need to learn to trust God, not just in your rest and not just in letting go, but also in being on mission and how you give to that mission. And, it's, and I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about being on mission with your time and your talents and your testimony as well as your treasure. But I don't think you would have heard me if I focused on those other three. The treasure part is where it stinks. I want you to excel in being gracious at giving. See, this has never been about money. It's always been about surrender. A lot of you in here, if I asked right now, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? You would tell me, I am. I I'm here. Now, not everybody. Some of you don't know if you want to believe in Jesus. Some of you are on the fence. Some of you are trying to figure it out. But many of you would tell me, I'm a, I'm a believer. I put my faith in Jesus. What you're saying is you've had a moment in your life where you've surrendered control of your life. To be a Christian means you've allowed God to sit in the driver's seat of your life. You've put your faith in him 
to get you to heaven, to take away your sins and not yourself. Great, you surrendered. But in that surrender, it was supposed to be all the facets. God can drive my life in every way. Not just in getting rid of my mistakes and giving me heaven, but also in how I allocate my resources. See, we're talking about surrender or re-surrender. Some of you have given, but you haven't, in that giving up to God, you still held on to a couple places. I love God, I trust God, but I need to, I need to be in control. I dictate when I serve and when I don't serve. I dictate when I love and when I don't love. I dictate when I tithe and don't tithe. See, that, that, that's not surrender. That's you as the God of your life. See, 1 John 3, 16 says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us so that we can give our lives for our brothers and sisters. When you learn to give your money, it is a small step on a journey of learning to give your life. And the reason we give our lives for the kingdom is because the king of that kingdom gave his life for us. You understand? Some of you, I, I get this is the first message you've heard on it, and you're fighting that battle inside of your heart right now that somehow I'm after your money, and, and I just can't say it enough. I don't, that's not it. But Satan has convinced us that our money is our hope, that our bank account will save us. That if we can just buy enough toys, we'll be happy. If we can just build a big enough retirement, we'll be safe. And see, all that's doing is robbing us of trusting a God who wants a better relationship with us. So he gave up his life to teach us how to give. And he asked us to start that journey of giving with things like our treasures. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Please stand on your feet if you would, Harbor. The God of this universe that gave himself for you is the same God that's asking you to learn how to surrender back all of the things that he's given you. He's given you the life that you have up until this point. The entire extent of your life, your story, he's asking you to surrender that as part of your testimony. If you have a skill set that makes you unique or that you use to earn a living, that, that he's saying, give that to me. Give me those talents, that testimony, that time, that treasure. Give it back to me. Winston Churchill says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Yeah. I'm not talking about how you make a living in here. I'm talking about the life that God has for you is going to be found in the surrender that only comes from God. The surrender where you say, God, I'm not holding back a part of me from you. I want you to work in my family. I want you to work at my job. I want you to work in my health. I want you to work in my finances. So why should I keep any of those things off the table? If you're here and you've never surrendered your life, please know that is the single most important thing you could ever do is invite Jesus Christ in as your Lord and Savior. That's surrender. I don't need to be the God of my life. Jesus, you sit in the driver's seat. If you've already done that, and a lot of you would say you have, then I'd ask you to go back to that moment and, and remember that when you surrendered the driver's seat, you also gave him access to everything that is you. Have you taken back the steering wheel over time because of fear, because of greed, because of whatever reason, fill in the blank? If you need to, use the next couple minutes just to pray and invite God in for the very first time. Maybe you need to take a second right where you're standing, just bow your head and just pray and say, God, I'm sorry that I've, I've pushed you out of areas. I'm going to commit right now.
to take at least one of those steps in my walk with you. I'm going to re-surrender because God, if, if you're calling me to do that and this message feels like you're calling me to do that, then I'm going to, I'm going to answer. I'm, I'm doing it. So I want you to sing along or stand there and pray. But I want you to have a moment between you and God where you respond. Whatever you're asking me to do, God, in this moment, I'm going to surrender it to you. God, whatever you're asking from me, I, I'm not holding back. I want this to be the moment you re-surrender. It's back to you, God. No more off-limits, God. Everything I got is yours. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.